Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Now, today's guest was parliamentary correspondent of the Irish Times for many years and a regular broadcaster in current affairs. It's a pleasure to welcome Michael O'Regan. And Michael, extra pleasure to welcome you because you've been through the wars a bit in the last couple of years. I have, Des, yes. I, I've, uh, I've had two bouts of cancer and I've had uh, collapsed kidneys. I've had on kidney dialysis, which I remain on kidney dialysis. Now, fortunately, I emerged from the two bouts of cancer uh, and I'm reasonably well again. But it was, it was quite, a, quite a, a, an experience. I, I, I remember the late John B. Keane saying in an interview a few years before he died, actually, that um, until until you were really reduced physically and emotionally, uh, that you really didn't know yourself. And I found in, um, accumulatively, the, the four months I spent in Dublin hospitals, I found, you know, days staring at the ceiling, you actually do get to know yourself. I suppose there's a positive under every dark cloud. But I, I just have to say, there's, uh, 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 and it's very timely to remark on it at the moment, given what we're going through, uh, the, the marvellous people I met in the health services and hospitals and clinics and elsewhere. Truly remarkable people. And when you get to know yourself, is that always a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. Not necessarily, I suppose, uh, in that you, you have to uh, balance out the positives and negatives. But uh, I think I came really well. I, I think I came well enough out of it, Des, but then a Kerry man would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Well, now, your first choice of music um, is a well-known song, but it's not, it's not about Kerry. So what's the background to your choice? The background to my choice, uh, uh, Des, is it's Galway Bay. Uh, it was written in 1947 by uh, Dr. Arthur Colohan. He, he was a native of Inniskillen. Now, he did spend some time as a student and later as a doctor in Galway. He finally settled in Leicester. It was my father's song. My father had uh, quite a, a fine singing voice. Something I did not inherit, by the way, but um, that was it was his choice of song. It was very much of its time as well. And I, one of the things I find at the moment is, uh, now that we're under pressure from this pandemic, is the pressure that, uh, you know, our parents' generation uh, uh, had to deal with a world war, the second world war, the offshoot of that, you know, the econ- economic procession and all that kind of thing. Uh, and perhaps we have a better understanding now of their lifestyle. But it was his song. He was a very quiet man, very uh, very intellectual, He huge reader of books. He was a baker by profession, all his family had been. His father was a trade unionist, Thomas O'Regan, as an associate of James Connolly. I have a photograph of my grandfather with uh, James Connolly in Kerry in 1915. He was a, a, very active in the trade union movement. But my father, unfortunately, died a very young man. He died at 55. Uh, you know, they say that grief eases, and I suppose it does over the years. But I find, Des, that as I get older, the grief of his death uh, has remained uh, to an extent. Uh, C.S. Lewis had a great quote. He said, no one ever told me that grief felt like fear. This was his song, and to him, I dedicate it to him and to his great generation of people. Um, where, where was he a baker, Michael? He was a baker in Tralee. Uh, he's, uh, uh, his father had been a baker, but he also worked for a, a period in London. I think he liked London enormously. I, 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 I suspect 
probably, uh, but for family commitments, maybe he might have liked to have lived in London. He was fascinated by England. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Michael, how, how did you find growing up in Tralee? Well, I grew up outside Tralee, Des. I grew up in, in a rural environment. We lived uh, in really at the, about four miles from Tralee at the start of the Dinkle Peninsula there. Very rural area. My mother had inherited uh, land and a house. And uh, uh, my father came from Tralee, opposite the football pitch, actually, in Tralee. You'd be familiar with yeah. this very much. Uh, and he's, his brother, Dan, actually, my uncle, late uncle, had won an All-Ireland minor medal with Kerry in the 1940s. So GA was big. So really, where I grew up was very rural, literally in the foothills of the Schlievish Mountains. Um, it, it was the GA, the Catholic Church, and I suppose at that time, Fianna Fáil was the biggest uh, political party. And I went to a national school, which... It was, again, literally at the foot of the Schleibmisch Mountains. If you jumped over the wall, you were in the mountains. It was a small two-teacher national school with just a handful of pupils because immigration had taken its toll on the community. And that wasn't a terribly pleasant time, I have to say. The corporal punishment was fairly severe. And those of my contemporaries from that time would recall it as particularly unpleasant. But the great outlet for my time growing up as a young fellow in Kerry uh, Des was the G Gaelic football. That's why I admired the G so hugely, not just because of its commitment to sport, but because of the social impact it had in so many parishes around the country. And, you know, it continues to do so. But of course, in Kerry, it's a bit of a religion, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a religion. And in my time, it was a, a, a complete religion. I mean, when you think about in the 60s, when I was growing up, um, television was new relatively new. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you had the glamour of television. Uh, I can recall watching uh, uh, the 1966 World Cup on television, which, uh, 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 and the sheer glamour and excitement of that, Bobby Moore, Captain England and all that. But GE was a religion and we had our heroes, none more so, I suppose, at that time than Mick O'Connell uh, from Valencia Island, uh, who was, I think, probably the great, one of the, the greatest footballer of all time. How did you end up going into journalism, Michael? After secondary school, I went to the College of Journalism in Rathmines in Dublin. As I was finishing there, the Kerryman, which was my local paper in Kerry, just happened purely coincidentally to be looking for a junior reporter, and I got the job. And uh, I spent eight years there, and then I joined the Irish Times uh, in Dublin. Um, so, uh, and I spent nearly 40 years there in the Irish Times. And when you were a young reporter in the Kerryman, is it strange working in your own community? Like, because the Kerryman would be a very... It carried great weight in the community at the time. Well, it carried huge weight. It's, it, 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 the provincial press in those days uh, was hugely influential uh, and hugely successful. And the Kerryman... Actually, when I joined the Kerryman, it, it had a monopoly in, in, in Kerry. There was no other local paper. Kerry's Eye emerged a few years later. Mm -hmm. uh, and then other papers. Now, of course, you have local radio and all that. Uh, so so the, 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 local, the local newspaper was really the big, the big media outlet uh, within the community. Did you? I found when I worked for the Kerryman, covering court cases brought great pressure on me because obviously people didn't want court cases appearing in the paper, but at least I wasn't from the area, so that must have brought extra pressure for the likes of you. It, it did, it did, and other journalists uh, I worked with at the time found the same, uh, it did. But you had to do your job and that was it. The fact that you were from the county, actually, sometimes it was an advantage in the sense that people probably felt you're one of 
our own, so to speak, if we were covering a particular story. But other times then, it, it was a disadvantage because maybe they expected uh, they expected an attitude from you that you just couldn't, you know, put forward as a journalist. You were a journalist first and last. Are, are there any stories that stand out in your mind, Michael, from from your time with the Kerry man? Uh, the, the, yeah, there the were. Uh, I, I think uh, it was the seventy-seven election. Actually, I was sent out to cover the campaign of the then Fianna Fáil TD Tom McEllistrum. He later became a junior minister in the Board of Works, and he did the usual thing in those days. Uh, he did the aftermath meetings. We were in one particular North Kerry, outside one North Kerry church, and uh, we were waiting for the people to come out so he would address them. And I was there as a journalist. And suddenly there were a whole load of men started running from the back of the church uh, down, uh, <laughs> down towards the car park and the priest following them. Uh, he, felt, he felt that they were at the back of the church not paying enough attention to the mass and <laughs> he, 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 he ran down after them and, and they ran, they were, they were afraid of him. So that shows two things, um, the huge attendance at masses in those days and the power of the local priest. Indeed, indeed. Now, you were lucky to end up getting a job back in your own community, but a lot of young people in Kerry had to emigrate. They had. They, they had to emigrate. I mean, I, I remember playing football uh, um, in West Kerry as a young fellow. I played on a, a junior football team with Tommy Doyle, actually. Uh, Tommy went on to great things in Croke Park. My career rose without trace days. But, uh, uh, and I, I met Tommy a few years ago down in Cork, actually. Uh, just ran into him. I hadn't seen him in years. We were talking about the absence of available players, really, because of immigration. I came across some of the statistics recently, and they're pretty awful. Uh, between 51 and 61, 400,000 people immigrated. It peaked in 1957. 78,000 people left Ireland. Uh, it's, it's quite awful. Mm. And uh, uh, great books have been written about it. Donald McCauley's um, Jill and Jory, of course, marvellous book. The late John Healy, a colleague of mine many years ago in the Irish Times, wrote very eloquently in the Irish Times about it. And in his books, um, Death of an Irish Town and, uh, and 19 Acres. Uh, another person who composed a marvellous song about it was uh, my fellow county man, the late John B. Keane. And that's your second musical choice. Uh, John B's uh, quite haunting, quite melodic, but quite haunting, quite poignant, Many Young Men of Twenty, uh, which he wrote actually uh, when he himself uh, was on his way to, uh, to England as an immigrant for a while. Now, he later returned and opened a pub in the, and opened a pub in the Stone and, of course, became a hugely successful uh, uh, playwright. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. We're talking about Kerry and John B. Keane as, as, as a journalist. Uh, John B. Keane had, he had several plays and they were funny but they were also dark weren't they about Kerry? Well they were dark I mean uh, he could write, he could be a very f- funny, very entertaining uh, very witty but he wrote about the dark side of life and uh, uh, perhaps one of the reasons why he was re- rejected early on by the Abbey, uh, you know Ernest Blythe dismissed his plays as rural melodrama initially. Now, he later became, of course, a huge star in the Abbey and indeed internationally. But if you look at Sive, that's a dark story, really, of uh, uh, basically the sale of a human being, you know, for marriage. I mean, uh, the field has a dark side to it. Murder, uh, you know, over a small piece of bog. I never thought, by the way, that the film did justice to the play, but there you are, and maybe other people might disagree with me on that. This was the one that featured Richard Harris, although powerful performance by Richard Harris. But mm-hmm. I thought the play was much more effective in drawing out that greed 
for um, uh, for land. He also, of course, could be a very funny man. He, it, it, there was a candidate in a he was very interested in politics, and there was a candidate one time in a Kerry election, unlikely to do very well. And John B. was asked how he might do. And John B. said, if he gets the Jewish vote in Nathnagoshal, he'll do very well. <laughs> the, North Kerry actually had a rich tradition of, of writers, didn't it? Unique, really, and, and quite fascinating that you had people like John B., uh, Brian McMahon, also from Blistol, Quite extraordinary, uh, um, uh, in, in, intriguing actually that there were so many uh, from that fairly small geographic area. Brendan Kennelly from uh, Barry Longford, and let's for, not forget, of course, there's our great colleague Con Hoolan from Castle Island, Indeed, yeah. uh, who uh, one of the great sports journalists and indeed literary writers uh, of his time, and uh, a truly marvellous uh, Kerryman. He 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 came up with a phrase in his then evening press column, sports column, which I use occasionally myself. Uh, it, he was talk, he writing about a corner forward who had a bad day. And he said he, he looked as bewildered as a Kerryman in Paris. Very good line. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Paris, Des, so I can tell you Kerryman can be bewildered. Uh, Kerry people, though, they have a unique, almost a, a caustic way of looking at life, haven't they? They have, yeah, uh, they have. Uh, uh, it's, it's different. Uh, I, I, one of my great honours, actually, is to be, at the moment, I'm president of the Kerry Association in Dublin. Uh, I, I One year done, I do a three-year stint, and it's a great honour. Uh, the, the committee there, a marvellous committee of Kerry people, and if I mention Keelan Cassan from Lizelton and Mary Shanahan from Valencia Island, who do a huge amount of work uh, altogether, they're really marvellous. And... Our meetings, our meetings, uh, uh, in, we, we get our business done, but inevitably there's some kind of uh, perhaps caustic comment made or whatever, which I think tends to be perhaps uniquely Kerry. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the things said about us, uh, Des, is that we don't do modesty easily, but uh, I would refute that. <laughs> yeah. Did you find coming to Dublin, the big urban centre, a big change from rural Kerry when you came as a young man? Well, it, it was a change, but it, 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 um, when I came as a student uh, to Dublin uh, in the early 70s, um, I liked Dublin enormously, uh, not least because of access to Croke Park on, uh, you know, a big day. I remember the first All-Ireland I attended was uh, the 1972 replay between Kerry and Offaly uh, in Croke Park. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed access to bookshops, cinemas and all that kind of thing. Uh, Con Holan actually phrased it very well. Um, it, it, I remember discussing it with Con one time, and he says, you can be a Kerry man and proud of the county while living elsewhere. Mm. Now, Con, Con said to me at one time that there were a number of places he would, he, he, he would live in. One was Castle Island, his native Castle Island, by the way, which he spelt cap C-A-S-T-L-E, one word, island, cap I-S-L-A-N-D. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, but he said he, the, the other places he would live would be Dublin, London or Paris. And I can understand that. Brendan Kennelly, the same. Now, Brendan has retired back to Kerry, but Brendan retained a huge association with the county, even though, of course, he lived in Dublin for many, many years. And what's the draw that you can't leave it? The draw is, uh, and this sounds terribly conceited. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. The draw, Des, is that you think it is probably the greatest place on earth. For reasons of, first of all, scenery, you know, layout, ge geography, a physical a landscape, uh, you know, which is hard enough to equal. Uh, and then sporting achievements over the years on the GA front and indeed otherwise. The literary tradition and, you know, the, the achievements of 
perhaps so many people from, you know, even going back to Daniel O'Connell, uh, people from other counties would look at that and say that is conceit uh, uh, beyond words. But there you are. That's that's where we are. <laughs> Your final musical choice, Michael O'Regan. Uh, my f- final musical choice, Des, is John Denver. I've been a John Denver fan for years. Uh, uh, he, he came to Dublin many years ago. I intended going to his concert. I was very busy at the time. Work-wise. I didn't, and I regret it. But very fortunately, in the RT archives, I'm glad to say there is a John Denver concert in Porky Keefe, Shimsa Koshli, which T.J. Cahar run occasionally. Uh, but my choice uh, of Denver song is one he recorded in 1972. It's called For a Baby. It was written really about one of the birth of his children. Now, it's, it's, it's a particular significance to me because last year, July, I became a grandfather. Uh, my daughter, Deirdre, and her husband, Jess Schroeder, uh, had their first child in Washington. And Luna was born in, last July in Georgetown Hospital in Washington. People used to say to me over the years, people who had retired and I would meet them and they'd say, look, I have grandchildren and this is marvellous and truly marvellous. And it's only when I had a grandchild myself that I really recognised uh, how great it is. So this is, uh, this is for Luna. Uh, I love John Denver. He's uh, unfortunately died a very young man in an air crash. Uh, he was a great solo singer, a great vocalist, and also wrote uh, uh, some marvellous songs. Well, let's hear it then. As we say, thank you very much, Michael Regan. Uh, continued success on your, on your battle against your illness, which you've done so well on. And thank you very much for being our guest. Yeah, thank you, Des. Thanks. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.